Today's podcast is brought to you by Feel Good Yarn Company, the exclusive distributor of Silver Spun, the American-made cotton yarn spun with pure silver. The silver in Silver Spun makes the yarn almost magical, giving it therapeutic, thermal and conductive qualities. Silver inhibits the growth of odour-causing bacteria, making Silver Spun an excellent choice for socks. It's perfect for baby knits and toys as the antibacterial properties of the yarn inhibit the growth of germs. Silver is also conductive, making the yarn as warm as wool without the itch. Plus, you can use your touchscreen while wearing gloves made from the yarn. Silver Spun, the strength of cotton, the feel of cashmere, the healing properties of silver. Find this magical yarn at the website feelgoodyarnco.com. Welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly Magazine. Do you like knitting? We do. I'm Sophie Scott and I'm joined by Lydia. Hello. Hi, you alright? Yes, very well, thank you. Let us talk about life, knitting, Pom Pom Magazine and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Sounds good? Sounds excellent. I'm in. <laughs> good. <laughs> I hope you guys are too. Uh, welcome back if you are regular and if you are not, hello and welcome. And we have many previous episodes. If you uh, are a newbie, you can go back and listen to them all. In no particular order, perhaps. Or in order. That's fine, too. Maybe. I don't know. Don't want to tell you how to live your life, but <laughs> a vague chronological look at the past. Yeah. I mean, it might be better to watch them in order, because I feel like we improve. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe the sort of original few, rep- you know, the first few... Uh, have a kind of rustic charm. They've got that raw, that raw talent, you know, that unspun yarn quality. <laughs> They're the wool tops to our... <laughs> to our sleek, plied, twisted... <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. All right, that that metaphor, you get the metaphor. More coming up. <laughs> um, so we've got tell and tell, where we tell each other and you guys what we're knitting. We've got uh, top tips, we've got news and reviews... We've got interviews, mm-hmm. uh, many interviews, lots of mini interviews left over from when we were at Edinburgh Yarn Festival earlier yeah. in the year. We've got knitters you should know about, and we round off, as we always do, with a top three. Yes. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. If you ever miss anything, or you want to find out more, or we've t- started talking about something, you're like, oh, but I want to know more about that. Where should people go? They should go to our blog, uh, which they can find by going to pompommag.com. Um and there we post show notes with um, links to things mm-hmm. and with pictures, if you're lucky. Yep. I know, definitely pictures, but good pictures if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to do chatting about things, you can head over to the Ravelry forums. Yeah, where you'll find amazing things like knitters, uh, one Ravelry user, um, Eki Jenny. We're going with that pronunciation. Um, we were talking last podcast, if you hadn't caught up with that, there was a reference to The Shining and the jumper the character wears in that, and she'd actually knitted that. Um, it's like an Apollo-style jumper with a rocket on. So you can check out that. Lots of fun stuff that kind of stems off from the episodes that you can catch up on the Ravelry forums. Exactly, it's a fun place to chat knitting yeah. stuff. And other stuff. Okay, so on to news. What's new? What's new? Hey, don't you know the new pom-poms come out? Whoa, no way! Yay! So (laughs) a lot of you have received your pom-poms. If not, check out in your local yarn shop. Or if they don't stock it, tell them to tell us and then... And then they might stock it. And then they might stock it. That's the moral, (laughs) yeah. That's the outcome of that. So our um, most recent summer issue, issue 17, uh, came out... Really just a few weeks ago, yeah. two or three weeks ago. Um, so people have been getting their copies in the mail, all nicely wrapped in you know matching tissue and stickers as always with a little thank you note. And we've had lots of lovely pictures on Instagram of people uh, Instagramming their personalised packaging, which oh, we indeed. always enjoy. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> and uh, as of more recently, uh, the digital version is live. We always stagger the release of the print and digital versions. Um, but yeah, digital version, if you're one of our uh, digital subscribers or... Um, you only work in robot PDF. <laughs> yep. <laughs> then uh, you'll you be very pleased. You are a robot and you have to download PDFs. For your, yeah, that was the joke. You have to download the PDF into your brain. You're knitting yeah. your robot brain. Yes. <laughs> um, hey, we don't discriminate, you know. <laughs> no, exactly. We want Cyborgs, everybody... welcome. <laughs> everybody is able to access 
Pom Pom Mag. Hooray! Yay! If you haven't got your copy yet, then um, some things you can expect. Some top picks. We've got our usual article from Anna Maltz. Mm -hmm. The Romance of a Slow Stitch for the mm -hmm. Summer, which is lovely. Uh, also an article by Amber Corcoran of Fancy Tiger Crafts mm -hmm. and a story about her cat cardigan. <sighs> <laughs> You've read it, you know what the outcome is, but some guys won't. And it's then, an awesome cardigan. Oh, it's amazing. It's Tops. not too much of a spoiler. But no. Yeah, and a sweet cherry pie recipe. <laughs> I can only say it like that. And a weaving tutorial. Yes. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun to uh, photograph. Mm -hmm. It was actually uh, my first experience of weaving. And how did you find it with this tutorial as well to guide you? <laughs> Um, I was completely in love with it by the time we were finished. Yeah. Because I'd never, yeah, as I just said, I'd never done it before. Um, and lovely Kennedy, um, was doing the tutorial with us and doing the photography. We were in Austin shooting it. Um, and Megan, of course, was there also. Um, and she'd already done weaving mm -hmm. and she already knew she really liked it. So mm -hmm. although she was excited, she didn't have that same, like, sudden moment of realisation where you're like, wait! This is really cool. I could really love this. Um, yeah, and so I just got really, really excited about it. Uh, and they were very indulgent of my excitement and let me do lots of things. And so they took a little, you know, it took a little bit longer because Lydia was doing it. Cause Lydia's a newbie. But um, often when you try a new craft or when I try a new craft, I get disheartened because it's I'm not as quick at it as I am at, say, knitting or crochet, which are things that I have practiced you have a the lot. Process, I think it's learning that new thing. You have the process where you're like, right, I know the technique, mm. but then it's perfecting that technique so you can get into that flow of like either perfection where it's good or mm. flow where it's quick, you know? Exactly. And often when you come to the realisation that you've got that yet to come, it can be quite disheartening. Um, but this time I got really excited about it. I was like, wow, there's so much for me to learn. There are so many new little um, tricks that I'll come across. So many new types of colour combination. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's just a little... Weaving, if you, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to have a go at weaving, so yeah. you've just convinced me that little bit more. There we go, so you yeah. can check out the tutorial. I, well, I, I intend to. <laughs> um, so, of course, what is the magazine without all the lovely knitted and crocheted garments in there? So we've got our fave picks. I'm rather taken by Vara, mm -hmm. who, which is by uh, Shoshiko Bergen. Mm -hmm. And it's like a comfy t-shirt. That's her kind of thought process and her design behind it. It's uh, got like a nice dipped hem, mm -hmm. nice shape. And it's like those, yeah, those comfy t-shirts that you come back to because they're nicely worn in and they're easy to wear. Um, and that's done in a Anzula Vera sport weight. Mm -hmm. And so that's my topic. Mm -hmm. And also Thornet by... Sarah Thornet. I like that her name is in there. <laughs> yeah, what a brilliant surname. Indeed. And uh, that's using the Issaga Bolumen? Bomulin? Bomulin? Hmm. No, I'm using the Bomulin. Sounds like some of Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> oh, cool. Yes. Um, and it's sort of, yeah, like just a simple kind of sleeveless top, but I like that it's held double throughout mm -hmm. and it has a lace panel at the side mm -hmm. and that's held singly. So you get this extra lacy little detail with a single, single strand. Yeah, and uh, colour-wise, the sample is in a classic pom-pom. This is kind of own that colour, it's yellow. so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, and I think you had even mentioned that you might uh, do colour variations within oh, my, those yeah. two different sections. I was thinking about that, like, if you had two yarns... So use the same yarn, but the colour is ever so slightly different. So you get, say, you've got two blues. Mm. And then you held them double for the whole thing, and then the one... So you get a mild look. And then the one at the side, you get like, oh, that's what I was thinking about. Oh boy. I've forgotten that good. and I've got excited about it again. It's a good thing that we, yeah. uh... <laughs> You're like my Ravelry notes, like, did you mean... Um, well, I also am a big Vara fan, yes. as we'll uh, find out, since I already started knitting it, but I'll save that for Tell and Tell, which is the official project section. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Do we want to move into that now? I mean, yeah. Why not? Let's go for it. N Lydia, I can't believe I don't know, but what are you knitting? <laughs> Well, I am working on the Equilibrium cardigan mm -hmm. from uh, our spring issue, so I'm a little behind the times, mm -hmm. but I like to uh, dip back into old pom-pom. I mean old, it's hardly old, but previous. Classic. <laughs> yeah, classic pom-pom. Um, so I'm knitting that in the Blacker, Blacker Tamar uh, double knit. Mm -hmm. And at the moment I've got pretty much the entire body done. 
and boy is the construction interesting. So Lydia actually presented it to me just before this podcast. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, here it is. And I was like, wait, is it of what? Because the design is a cardigan. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen it in the Pom Pom magazine, it sort of has that interesting like diamond shape at the back. Yeah. But the construction, it kind of looks like there's a an extra button band kind of coming around the front at the moment, yeah. which actually is going to attach to the neck. So it's knit in one piece, the body section is, then you knit the sleeves separately and join those mm -hmm. and pick up for the, um, for the you know, ribbing around the neck and the front. The sort of not, it's, there's no buttons yeah. for the kind of band bit, which is nothing unusual about that, everyone's saying. That's yeah. pretty norms. Um, but yeah, it's got very unusual just construction of the neckband and how that joins to the rest of the cardigan. And it's been really cool to knit because of that. Um, if you just had to kind of trust the instincts of the pattern, they're like, now do this. You're like, okay. And you know what? It does make a lot of sense. It's just not something that would have come out of my mind. And that's one of the more fun things about knitting overall. Or yeah. I guess any craft, really, um, is you get kind of stuck in, or I tend to get stuck in, the constructions that I've used time and time again, the old faves. Mm. Um, and it's always really interesting when somebody just completely turns it on its head. The way we were talking about Rachel... Um, Atkinson, our tech editor, when we interviewed her, we were talking about uh, the way she felt about Bristol Ivy's callow pattern that was just really unusually constructed. I feel similarly about this one. Yeah. I feel like I've learned loads. And I'm going to have a really cool cardigan at the end of it. Uh, so there's that. So um, I'm also knitting Vara, of course, as I mentioned previously. Um, the original yarn used for Vara was a sport weight, as you said. I'm using a four-ply which is an old maiden aunt uh, merino kind of sock yarn that I picked up at um, Unwind. So almost two years ago now. So I am busting that stash. What's well done you? <laughs> busting it wide open. So I've got, I had two skeins of a color called To The Black. Ooh. And how would you describe To The Black? Kind of like an oil slick. Exactly, yes. Exactly. Um, so it's one of those colors that uh, is all the colours. <laughs> it's many, many colours. It sort of looks like a very dark, purpley, greeny colour. Um, I think oil slick is the best way to describe it, actually. So I've really only got just kind of maybe part of the yoke, a third of the yoke done. It's mm -hmm. quite a new uh, new project on the scene for me. Nice. Well, it's nice to use the kind of shifty colours of that yarn with mm. a very plain classic t-shirt Exactly. Style. And uh, nice. uh, yeah, so I had to do a little little swatchy check-in, as you always do, but extra swatchy checking because this is a thinner yarn. But I think what I'm going to get is just a slightly more open fabric. Which is nice for summer, so there you go. Perfecto. Win, win, win. And yourself, Sophie Scott? Well, I finished something, which Woo! I was very pleased with. I've been knitting Terra, uh, Brooklyn Tweed classic big shawl pattern in the Perkalanka oh, by yeah. Midwinter Yarns. Mm -hmm. And the bind-off was a new one for me. It was a sewn-off bind-off. Off and off. <laughs> took about two hours, and I just kind of sat down. I was like, nope, going to sit and do this. And it took a long time, because it was like 300-something stitches. Yeah. Um, I'm so pleased with it. Yeah. Just in time for that warm, warm weather. <laughs> Although today it has, you know, it's gone cold again. Yeah, but it's uh, it's big. It's bigger than I thought it was. When I put it on as a, you know, like a classic kind of shawl around the shoulders thing, sort of down to my bum almost. It's a big old, big old shawl. Mm. So uh, when those winter winds start whistling. As they inevitably will. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You're, pre you're prepped. <laughs> Pre <laughs> I'll pray that I can wear my shawl. Um, and also, the phrase we've used before is background socks. Mm -hmm. Just like a little simple sock ticking over in the background. Just yeah. pick up put down it's no. like six music just wittering away i love six music exactly background background um so i did mention on other podcasts that i wanted to do a summer of socks i said yes i'm gonna knit socks in the summer and i've stayed true to that i've got one finished and i'm using some koigu that i have in my stash which is a rainbow a kaleidoscope i of can colors. attest to the truth of this statement um and doing like a nice contrast uh, toe and heel in like an electric blue I'm enjoying that. It's nice to have that simply background thing. Nice. Taking over with that. Yeah, and I like that Summer of Socks does shorten to SOS. There you go. I'm going to hashtag that. <laughs> Darling, can you hear me? <laughs> we <We're doing. laughs> Yes, yeah, so usually we start with an intro-based item. 
watching that's what <laughs> yeah but we've been mixing it up a little you know you think you know what the running order of the show is going to be and then something throws us off like it's something really exciting that and we're knitting we told you what we were going to be doing but it's not necessarily going to be in that order all the time <laughs> um so now we're going to skip back to on a knit to know basis so on a knit to know basis this is what i think you need to know about mm -hmm. um and what lydia thinks you should know about as well but um <laughs> So on a knit craft base theme, mm -hmm. uh, a new podcast I'm really into is called Half Company Podcast Yeah, uh, by a lady called Marley Grace. Mm -hmm. She has a shop called Half Company mm -hmm. and that's in the States and it's sort of like a shop and a residency space and a workshop and a gallery, one of those cool kind of artistic things yeah. that people are so good at. Um, and so she has the space at the back of the shop which she uh, rents out to creatives or artists and then the podcast sort of happens at the end of the residency and she talks to them about their work and about life and balance and being creative and their processes. I don't know. I'm really, really enjoying it. That does sound really interesting. As a, you know, a person who likes making things, mm -hmm. and I think on any level people can identify that, it's interesting to hear what other people think about that, mm -hmm. whether they're professionals or whether they're just, you know, interested in that. Yeah. Cool. I always enjoy a new podcast recommendation, I'll indeed, be honest. Indeed. So I'm really enjoying that. And she also has a really cool Instagram account where she dances. Oh, I, think you, I think you showed me this before. It's called Personal Practice and she does like little dances because that's what she's trained in professionally. Mm. So she's like, why can't I just, you know, an Instagram video is like, what, 30 seconds? Why can't I just dance for that 30 seconds? And that's me dancing every day. It's very cool. I have enjoyed it. In fact, I need to make a mental note to actually yeah. follow it because... Whenever, I, whenever you show me, I'm like, this is great. Needs to be more dancing, that's all. That's Otherwise, true. on a non-knit-to-know basis, things that are making my life great at the moment, uh, Lydia, who sat right here, oh, here! <laughs> Hello. She linked an article which uh, on Facebook saying, oh, there's this notion of the web that's called the lonely web, mm -hmm. the notion there is, there's this phrase. Yeah. Well, videos that people, maybe you can explain it, videos that... Yeah, so I actually came across it, obviously, in a podcast mm -hmm. uh, called Note to Self, um, and in which the presenter interviews a guy who has uh, worked with the concept of the lonely web, which I'm not sure if it's necessarily his concept, but um, he explains it very well, and it's just all of the things that exist on the internet that nobody really watches or looks at. So there are, like, you know, however many millions of, fo of videos on YouTube and like blogs and so on, but they were looking specifically at videos on YouTube that seem to have been uploaded really for no reason. Like they don't seem to have a particular audience. Nobody's really watched them and they're quite difficult to find. Um, yeah, so I just thought it was a really interesting podcast and Sophie enjoyed. I thought it was interesting, but then I linked through to a lot of things and it was like, oh, if you want to see the videos that no one watches, here they are. And the irony of this is now that people are watching them. Mm -hmm. But my favourite was uh, a couple who had their washing machine, like, I used to have a washing machine, when it finished it would say the most monotonous beep, it just literally be like, meep, meep, and it would go on, just long enough to be annoying, and when you got up to switch it off it would be like, no, I'm finished now. Anyway. <laughs> I think my washing machine is like your washing machine's oh, brother God, or yeah. something, because oh. it's got a similar thing going on. Anyway, this, the video is called, We Dance to Our Samsung Washing Machine. And they do this beautiful little choreographed little boogie together because yeah. it makes a little tune, like the little electronic, like, yeah. doo -doo -doo -doo. <laughs> and it just has brought me so much simple joy and it's love great. for the world that there are great, it's like an beautiful in -joke. things. It's it's great. It's clearly a couple's in joke that mm -hmm. they, for some reason, have recorded and put online. And I guess until this artist picked it up or this guy picked it up, very few people had watched it. But um, now I. I urge everyone to watch it. <laughs> hey, maybe we can even link to it in there the show we go. notes. It, that's what you need to know. <laughs> what do I need to need to know about? I did, I did the thing wrong. <laughs> I'm joke. What do I need to know about, Lydia? Um, I have very few knitting related things that you need to know okay. about me, I'm afraid. Uh, I think we sort of covered those in uh, Tell and Tell. But in the podcast world, mm -hmm. um, I described earlier my pod quest, which is, I'm sure is a pod quest. <laughs> 2016. Um, Just I'm sure. when you thought it was set, put on your headphones. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's not a new phrase, uh, but I've co-opted it for um, myself <laughs> and for this podcast because um, 
I am the person who starts every second sentence with, oh, I heard this really, neat, really cool podcast. And Sophie's sort of nodding, like... No, I'm of... also becoming that person more yeah, and more as well. Yeah. And, and I shame. guess... Ain't no shame. You guys who are listening to this, um, maybe you're just at the beginning of your pod quest. Maybe you're <laughs> all the way in and you've got lots of um, gold stars or whatever it is that you collect on the way through. Um, but I've been on, like, a sort of super... Um, concentrated bout of discovery. Um, that was an awkward sentence. Pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been fighting the boss, to use the um, analogy of a video game. Right, right. Okay. I'm, I'm on the boss. I was worried. Now. I was like, you're your own boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not Fight Club, Lydia. Yeah. Let's all calm down. Anyway, so to the point, which is that I've discovered um, a lot of new podcasts in the last week or so. Uh, my podcast discovery is at an all-time high, but I've chosen a few special ones uh, mm -hmm. to share with you all on a knit-to-know basis. Mm -hmm. uh, they include uh, two music-related podcasts. One is called Song Exploder, mm -hmm. in nice. which um, <laughs> an artist goes onto this show and they uh, work through the many different layers of one particular song and why they chose that particular drum beat, why they chose to use that particular vocal, why it's mixed the way it is, why the lyrics are the way they are. Um, and it's just brilliant. If you're a fan of music, songs at all, you don't have to necessarily know anything about the artist. I particularly enjoyed uh, the one uh, about Bjork talking about a song from her most recent album because I'm a big Bjork fan. But Cool. Sounds you know, good. In depth. It's really, really brilliant. And it's just very interesting, especially when, as a music appreciator, I'm not really a maker of music, um, it's really cool listening to people talk about something that they're really good at and that they yeah. have lots of um, very particular Passion. reasons yeah. for doing things. And for you, you just kind of consume it and enjoy it, which is as intended. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just very nice to get a little peek behind the curtain. Mm. Um, another song one is called Switched On Pop, in which these two uh, sort of music guys who... I, I This is a very new one to me. I only discovered it yesterday and I've already listened to about half of their episodes. <laughs> um... They're both, one of them I think is a musicologist, they're both, you know, quite accomplished in terms of that, you know, they know their stuff and they analyse pop music basically and anybody who knows anything about me knows that I'm obsessed with pop music. You love the pop. I absolutely love it and it's really fun hearing people talk about pop music the way I want them to. I just listened to an episode where they talked about Call Me Maybe. Oh man, there was a phase <laughs> of Lydia's life where all you listened to was Call Me Maybe. All you talked about, you <laughs> And all my jokes were called movie related. <laughs> and they called it the most perfect pop song well, of our generation. Anyway, let's move on. I want to know why. So, I'm listen <laughs> so you yet. listen to that. And lastly, um, I wanted to mention My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is... Not literally. No. A podcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno, in which a guy and his two friends read through an excruciatingly badly written piece of erotic, in inverted commas, literature written by... So this guy's dad... Uh, uh, depending on your age, I don't know what the age ranges are of people who listen to this podcast, but it would definitely is sort of 18 and over. Yes. So it might be a little too blue for this podcast. I but don't it, know. It's, I started listening to it only last week under your and a friend of ours recommendation, and you can't listen to it in a public place because it's kind of like, well, funny, and then there'll be a, a phrase. That's the thing, and not only is it like cringy, but like the grammar is bad in places just and just everything about it terrible, is amateur terrible metaphors yeah amateurs like terrible metaphors or like they're just like what how does that work it's like a game of twister it's like characters actually... just appear from nowhere yeah. their names change it's absolutely very cringy it's gold it's absolutely it gold very very funny I've had some uh, public giggling fits and it made me think about the fact that laughing by yourself in public is almost the same as crying by yourself in public because even though it's like, it should be more joyful and people sort of, you assume that, oh, I'm laughing in public, ha ha ha, it should make people feel joyful about the world. Actually, people, I think, feel uncomfortable. That's not going to stop me doing it. Especially because there's not much to laugh about in public transport most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so you're just sitting there and they're like, are they laughing at me? I don't know. Um, so that was good. And the last thing on a knit to know basis is that my fringe is now blue. It's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> Let's see how long it lasts. Top, top tip. Just uh, a tip to keep your knitting needles sharpened. Those mm -hmm. knitting tips, tip top. <laughs> farewell tips. Do you do much farewell, Lydia? Not as much as I would like to. Well, what you need 
is a Norwegian yarn guide. Now, ah. if you've been on the Ravelry forums, you might have seen this. Our knitter you should know about a couple of podcasts ago was Gwen Matthewman, and her knitting style prompted a huge discussion between the uh, various people and the folk of Ravelry mm -hmm. and how, how people hold their needles, and uh, this led to discussion of Fair Out because sometimes holding Continental is advantageous when holding many yarns. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's sort of called a Norwegian thimble or a stranding guide, which is like a ring that sits on your finger, like the tip of your finger, but it has teeth like a comb, so mm -hmm. you can strand your many colours of yarn over. It helps you guide the yarn round when you're doing fair round. Keep them all separate. Yeah. Uh, it's a piece of kit you might like to try. Yeah. Someone called uh, Katja of Sweden. Mm -hmm. She says, I use the Clover Yarn Guide, and despite not being a very experienced knitter, I've now completed three multicoloured sweaters and cardigans, and working on my fourth. Couldn't do without them. So now that's an endorsement of I've heard yeah. and Diana Waller was the one who uh, oh, recommended yes. it. Maybe you knew about them, maybe you don't, but there's a tip for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so now on to our review, little yarn review for y'all. Um, today we're going to be uh, looking at Blacker's... Tamar, which is one of their newer yarns, I think. Did they launch it at Edinburgh? It was definitely brand new when, oh, uh, yes. when it came out there. Um, and I'm knitting my uh, Equilibrium cardigan in it, which is very convenient. We've just started everyone. talking and then now uh, we've both picked up the cardigan and just kind of like fondling yeah, it. Yeah, like, we're just oh, sort of yeah. stroking it. Just enjoying some yarn, all chanty. <laughs> like, oh, that's nice. Um, I'm knitting it in the Colour Shales Brook, which is a kind of what do we want to call this? Minty teal green. And it's kind of heathered, it's got a bit of the natural sort of grey in there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so as I am currently in this room, the expert on this yarn, well let's just quickly say uh, what it is. So it's um, fun, fun? Well it is fun, but it's spun from the fleeces of five <laughs> British rare breeds, including Teeswater, Wensleydale and Lester Longwool. Um, and as I just said, the natural grey of the, it turns out it's the Lester Longwool that I'm experiencing oh, there, yes. in grey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it has a lovely sheen, shimmer and drape. Um, so that's what Black I have to say about it. So Sophie, as I am the person who has knit the most in this yarn out of the two of us sat in this room, would you like to ask me any questions? How did you find the knitability and bounce <laughs> of this yarn? I find it to be knittable in the extreme. <laughs> I vary. Um, and it is bouncy, but it also, I can see that um, when I block it, it will be quite sort of drapey, because even okay. though it's uh, a woolly wool. Oh, we love the woolly wool. Which, of course, <laughs> Blackers involves- do them well. They do. It involves all sorts of things like uh, stitch definition and being quite sort of sticky. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the nature of the particular British rare breeds are ones that are a little drapier. Mm -hmm. um, and I like the little flecks of heathery stuff. I guess that's a colour related thing though, rather yeah. than a handle related thing. Why did you choose it for this project then? Well, okay, so the original yarn was a silk and wool blend, so this is quite different. But I did want something that had a little of that um, drapiness, I guess, because the original sample, um, the stitch definition, because it because of the uh, the sort of cross or sort of diamondy shape on the back. Mm. Um, you want something that's going to keep its stitch uh, definition, but I wanted it also to feel like a sort of big snuggly, clo like cosy, drapey cardi, um, and this seemed like the good choice. Cool. And it also has a lovely halo, which is something we talk about a lot, um, but because it's sort of lovely, fluffy, woolly wool, mm -hmm. um, it's got it's got a little Can bit you hear of that, drape. Guys? Can you hear that? Though? Hear the halo. <laughs> Um, Listening to wool, the next part of the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's got, I, I think it'll be lovely and drapey, but it also has a lot of that, yeah, sort of fluffy, woolly, cosy. Again, just in time for uh, summer. Yes. Uh, the great British summer. Let's not pretend I'm not going to need this, guys. And one final factoid is the shades, or the colours, are named after a tributary in the River Tamar. There we go. They're good at the names. They are. What colour are you using? Uh, Shalesbrook. Nice. That's a very nice. It's a tributary in the River Tamar, yes, isn't it? it? Yeah. Oh, good. Good knowledge. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and for the next episode, we'll be looking at uh, a yarn from Feel Good Yarn. So you've got that to look forward to. Yes. Thanks again to Blacker. Their website, if you want more info, is www.blackeryarns.co.uk.
we went to Edinburgh earlier on the year and so many wonderful people around. I went around with the sound kit and snaffled various people into corners and said, oh, come talk to me. Talk to me about knitting and yarn. <laughs> and so we have a little uh, a smorgasbord, a collection of various people uh, that were at Edinburgh mm -hmm. and who we had most chat to. Flashback fuel. So, hello, how do we know you and where do you fit in with this woolly world of Edinburgh Yarn Festival? Oh, uh, uh, so I'm John Arben and we are John Arben Textiles and we've got a spinning mill, worsted spinning mill, making <coughs> custom runs of yarns for our own range and for our socks and for other people. Wonderful. So if people don't know, what's worsted spinning? Uh, essentially, there's two types of spinning and they're dictated by the type of fibre. So um, if it's a short staple fibre, it goes through the woolen system and that means it's basically it's, <coughs> it's carded and then it's made into a roving and then spun, whereas in worsted it's carded and then prepped into a top to make the fibres very parallel and the short fibres are removed by combing and then spun. So they have to be long to hang together. We try and put unique uh, blends together and we try and strive to get the highest quality yarns and do the best we can with it, really. So speaking of special yarns you've been doing, there's quite a few people you've been, who are at the festival you've had projects with. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yep. Um, starting with uh, Zelda, we've done a... Uh, a yarn for her, um, blend number one, she's called it, and that's Polworth, Merino, and uh, Swabblers. So a sort of classic case where Yazelda came to us and <coughs> wanted a yarn to be a certain way and a certain and look a certain way and handle a certain way and a certain colour. So then we, I sit back and then go, hmm, and then sort of suggest different blends and send them fibres what I'm thinking of and then they play with it and I think in that case <coughs> Yazelda sort of hand spun a bit and then came back to us and then we spoke about it again and so on until you know we actually end up with a yarn that fits the bill and then we've done the Hebridean for Rachel um, which she calls herself daughter of a shepherd yeah. and uh, or she calls herself my life in knitwear as well she, my Life in Knitwear is I think her blog, but the her yarn blog. brand is Daughter of a Shepherd, yeah. I don't get out much, <laughs> I get confused. Um, so she, she uh, her father's um, Hebridean, which is lovely, Hebridean, and uh, we, we spun that for her as well. Um, and and she's, she's really excited about that, and that's been launched here. And then there's, there's other people we do yarns for, as John Dunn, Easy Knits, and Skein Queen, and Knitting Goddess, and... I've probably missed a few crucial ones out and they'll kill me. <laughs> we can edit things in, you know. Oh, really. right. <laughs> yeah. So what, you're obviously, your knowledge of fibre and your experience of working with different uh, breeds and blends, what for you makes uh, you know, good quality on? Obviously that's very personal, but what, what do you look for? Um, it's all about the end purpose, really, what, what you want it to do. Uh, so that's the starting point, um, rather than sort of going, mm, I've got this fibre, what can I do with it? So... Uh, it, it's all about what, what you, how you want it to be and what you want it, how you want it to look. I think that's what determines, because there's, <clears throat> there's so many different fibres out there. So saying that, though, you kind of get a fibre in hand and then you're looking at it going, wow, this would go really well with uh, Wensleydale. It's got the right similar staple length and look at that luster. It's going to sit with it and it'll, if you put this with it, it's going to make it a bit springier and, you know, and, oh, maybe if we put that in there, get a little bit of luster and so on. And then... You suddenly got a yarn and you haven't got a purpose for it so apart from saying yeah it's going to really work so don't know it just depends what you know certain things you just get very excited about what excites you <laughs> yarn wise yeah <laughs> yarn wise yeah careful <laughs> um ooh, what am i excited about at the moment i love a bit of color natural color and things and that's really hard to find a good quality uh, fiber with with color that's not alpaca as well, I mean. Um, so you mean uh, the the natural colour of the fleece? Natural colour, yeah. I mean, alpaca, you get loads loads of colours, but um, I sort of cut my teeth on alpaca, I suppose, and I kind of uh, yeah, it's great. I love the fibre, but I like like I prefer working with sheep's wool, to be honest with you. So, hmm. Thank you so much, John. Cheers. You're welcome.
Hi, I'm Jules, uh, Julia Billings, and my I suppose my name people know me by is Woolenflower. Um, I'm an Australian. I moved to Glasgow about a year ago. And I'm kind of essentially a knitter, but I also um, make little pouches out of old Harris tweed jackets. Um, and I'm a natural dyer and, yeah, a bit of everything, really. So I have a, we stand here today. Sounds good. And natural dyeing, I hear you've got some projects going on that sound quite exciting. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I've been doing it for about three years um, and I'm a horticulturist by background. So I've always been kind of most interested in about exploring the different plants and... Yeah, the different colours you can get from not only kind of traditional dye plants, but also weeds and kind of unexpected foods and different kind of plants. So, yeah, I'm learning a lot about that and I teach it, um, looking after the dye garden at the Glasgow Botanic Gardens. So, yeah, I'm kind of quite involved in that plant side of it. Um, and actually this weekend I have my first little um, spread of naturally dyed yarns that I'm selling. So, yeah, really excited about it. Good. So is there a huge difference you've noticed if you're saying you've sort of come over from Australia originally, is there a difference between the, the plants and the what kind of colours you can get? Have you noticed that between the two countries? Absolutely. I mean, I think the plants that we have available here are quite different. Um, there's a lot of native plants in Australia that give you really kind of quite dramatic colours. And the palette is, I think, a little bit different. You tend to get more kind of russet colours and golds and greys and irony kind of colours over there. And I think that's about the soil. Um, we have different kind of chemicals and minerals and things in our soils over there. So here, the colours tend to be a bit softer. Um, but one thing that's beautiful is that all of the um, all the weeds that we have growing here, things that um, that are just in the kind of hedgerow and stuff, often give you colour. So it's there's a kind of a whole palette of things out there that we I wouldn't have access to in Australia. So yeah, really exciting. Excellent, excellent. And this is your first visit to Edinburgh with the festival? No, I was here last year actually. We came, um, we arrived about six weeks before the festival. So um, I did that as a way of basically connecting with community um, and other knitters and launched my kind of little pouch business there and it kind of took on a life of its own. So yeah, really excited to be back and feeling like there's, yeah, I know a few more people in the community now. So yeah, it feels a bit like coming home. If people want to keep in touch with you, where should they go? So my um, my name on Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff is Woolenflower, so W-O-O-L-L, Woolenflower, and my blog um, is the same as well. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
So what kind of things can we expect from you in the future? Have you got anything in the pipeline or is it just mainly linguistics at the moment? I do have some stuff that I'm working on. I have some stuff that I um, will be self-publishing um, under my own label, Paper Tiger. Um, and then it was recently announced, I'm super thrilled to be part of the Quince design team. So um, I had a piece come out for spring, but I'm working on some stuff for the fall collections now. Um, so that's really exciting. I think I'll have a lot of stuff the second half of this year rolling out. It's probably all top secret, because you, but could you might be like give a word to sum it up, like the feeling and the vibe of it? Mm, um, I mean, Norway, maybe. I'm definitely, you know, the new surroundings have a, an influence, for sure. Nice. I was going to say, if you couldn't do a, a word, I was going to say, what kind of sound would this collection have? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing I'm working on. It's been pushed back a couple of times. I'm hoping to have it out this fall is a little collection called Fog and Frost. So... There's several words and I like them, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, alliteration. Always good. Well, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the festival. Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Sonia and I um, sort of manage Blackie Yarns. Uh, so this is our first time at Edinburgh Yarn Festival and we're having the best time ever and we are sponsoring the podcast lounge, which is great fun. So. I was going to say, special thanks for doing that. That's pretty nice of you guys. Well, we love our podcasters. Um, I'm a big kind of podcast nerd myself, so I always listen to them all. So, so Blackie Yarns, we featured them several times on the podcast. You give us lots of lovely yarns to review. What is it about Blackie Yarns that makes you guys special? Um, I think everything we do is obviously sort of British, um, and we will always kind of tell you what breed is in the yarn so we'll break down exactly what each breed is like and I think that lets people kind of explore maybe a newer element of knitting or crochet um, and then the other thing is we also we always buy from small producers and we try and find the best quality fiber we can so yeah a bit of that personal touch I guess. And you've got some interesting new blends with you at the festival. Tell us a little bit more about those. So that's our Tamai yarn. Um, and yeah, we're really, really pleased with it. It just came out a couple weeks ago. So this is the first time it's kind of available to touch in person. And it is a blend of Wensleydale, uh, Cotswold, Teeswater, lots of luster breeds. And those all almost look like kind of Rastafarian sheep. They've got really long sort of fibers. And that makes them really sturdy and really pill resistant, but also quite soft with wear over time. Um, yeah, so it's just sort of a great all-rounder, really good for kind of drapey cardigans and shawls, but also strong enough for socks. So... Perfect. Thanks, Sonia. Cheers. I'm Joe, and I am one of the organisers. We're a team of two, so there's me and Mika, and uh, we are we basically do everything. So you've been pretty busy, you'd say, yeah? We've been really, really busy for about a year, I think, especially in the past few months. It's been crazy. So the Edinburgh Yarn Festival is now in its third year and I can't believe it, this is only the first time that I've come. What advice uh, do you have for a newbie and sort of how would you describe the, uh, the setup you have here? If you're coming here for the first time, I would say do a little bit of research first because the marketplace is, it's a temple of yarn and it's quite overwhelming. Um, even I get overwhelmed and I, and I know what's here. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> You will be blown away by all the, the different colours and uh, the sheer variety of wool that you can find. So have a look through projects that you want to make, earmark some yarns beforehand, and then just go and fondle to your heart's content. I think that's good. I think even though I've been trained for the situations of yarn festivals, I was certainly overwhelmed when I first walked in. <laughs> I mean, we want people to be overwhelmed. We want people to, but in a good way, we want people to just really thoroughly enjoy the love that they have of the, the entire subject. We know that there, there are thousands of people out there who um, share the love that we have, and that's, that's what we want to, to bring to it. That's lovely. What do, you think, uh, what do you think it is about Edinburgh Yarn Festival that makes it different and unique? Um... I think it might be something to do with the focus. It's incredibly focused on uh, independent businesses and each person who is running that business is 
you know, in turn, totally focused on what they do. Um, they're completely in love with the subject. They've got an enthusiasm that just, you know, you can't manufacture. Um, and I think that's we bring that in bucket loads. <laughs> so, um, and I, I think um, we also have the aspect to it which involves getting together, meeting up with like-minded people and just, I mean, just reveling in whatever is going on around you. I was going to say you have the biggest grin on your face, it's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome, thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. Backer Yarns produce a diverse range of breed-specific knitting and crochet yarn. With everything from Shetland and Blueface Leicester through to Wensleydale, Gotland and Manx, you'll be sure to find an unexpected treat. If you're thinking of embarking on a breed-specific adventure, then head over to www.blackeryarns.co.uk. All Blackers wares are spun and dyed on their mill in Cornwall using 100% British fibre and sustainable production methods. If your mind has turned to plying those summer knits, then you may be interested to hear that Blacker will be soon expanding the colour palette of their linen and wool blend, Lyonese. This yarn has all the characteristic banks of wool with the drape and memory of linen. It's ideal for lacework and warm weather garments. A combination of moody neutrals and bright pops of colour, Blacker's expanded Lioness range will launch on June 21st. Thanks again to everyone who's involved in those interviews. Everyone was very busy, but very friendly and very accommodating for me saying, no, come talk to me behind here and I'll... <laughs> Just kind of snaffling people like, and are you free for an interview? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was fun reliving our um, Edinburgh experience just there. I look forward to it again next year. Indeed. Knitters you should know about. Uh, this podcast, we think you should know about Animal Sunbow. Mm-hmm. Who is this? She is a Norwegian textile designer and a weaving teacher. You may know her because we talked about her two years ago when we visited Unravel Festival. Indeedy. Or a year ago, really, last year. Anyway, on a previous Unravel experience that we had. <laughs> While we consult our... <laughs> we did a, a Q&A session with her after she do, did a really wonderful talk um, called Spirit of the Ragpile mm -hmm. um, at Unravel last year, as I said. Um, but maybe that wasn't enough for you guys. So we have more information about Animal and who she is and why you should know about her. Yeah, so she bought a knitting mill because she what <laughs> because well, a small scale wool mill you know small mm -hmm. scale mm -hmm. so she wanted experience in working in one and the condition with the owner this was sort of uh, mid 80s early mm -hmm. 80s was that she bought it so he was like sure i'll teach you stuff but you have to buy the mill sure and what she had <laughs> so it's a shoddy mill um so it's uh recycling old textiles old fabrics woolen goods mm -hmm. and making them into sort of Eider down filling and yeah. other kind of textile based recycling things, you like know. insulation and things. Yeah, yeah. But as uh, as she went through all these uh, donated pieces, because people would just sort of sell them off to the rag, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like yeah, the rag factory basically, yeah. she was able to sort of chart not only the historical but also like cultural and fashion based choices within all this knitwork. So a lot of it was hand knit, mm. um, and so it's sort of yeah, having her own kind of anthropological. Uh, exploration of knitting from this rag pile. Wow. I'd never even heard of a shoddy factory before this. Um, and the one that she owned was called Torridal Tweed and Wool Comforter Mill. So as Sophie said, um, she was able to look through all these piles of uh, sort of discarded bits of fabric, often hand-knit bits of fabric, um, and sort of glean lots of exciting, interesting information about uh, the history of knitting in Norway, because as Animal says, 150 years ago in Scandinavia, knitting was utilitarian and very practical. It wasn't uh, a sort of fashion-related or sort of meditative hobby as it is for us now. Um, so when items got worn out, worn out, got worn out, uh, they would be darned and redarned and darned again uh, until they fell apart. And by the time they fell apart. They were more darn than knit. <laughs> and that's when they'd show up at the, at the shoddy mill. And so she had 16 tonnes of knitwear to go through. And these huge storage barrels were sort of like a physical timeline. It was the history of the styles and the methods. One project she actually did with uh, a book called Knitting and Art, mm -hmm. she was able to find all the motifs and the designs and the knitting 
uh, in paintings that had been done, historical paintings that sort of referenced people, you know, going about their life like fishermen and stuff and was able to say like, oh, but this motif here is shown by being worn by this guy in the boat. Oh, very cool. This piece of knitting must be from this time. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, her, one of her books, Knitting in Art. So she travelled to museums and archives to sort of um, find the details that gave a clue to knitting history. Very cool. And then from taking all those, uh, all that research, she then, in the book, you can kind of knit your own versions of that. So there's the history, there's the research, and then there's the knitting at the end. It's like the old-fashioned version of everybody wanting to knit that jumper from the killing. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but like a much more sort of anthropological yes. version of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know, from uh, when we watched her talk, I remember, you You might remember more clearly than me, I think you have a better memory, the bit about swimsuits. Oh no, of course, I can't remember <laughs> that, yeah. So it was, um, this is kind of her work with the rag pile. One of them, some of it was not all knitted, some of it was like um, produced, you mm -hmm. know, machine knit, and there was like, so you have, she like managed to track the progression, she's like, so you have your knitted swimsuits, and she had it there you know, a classic kind of green, the kind of khaki green, like, standard swim knitted things. And she's like, okay, so you see these in the shop, so then your mum knits you a pair. And it was an almost identical hand-knitted green pair with the same kind of, like, pocket and little <laughs> drawstring. And she's like, so you make these, and you copy it. And um, what was the other thing? Like, you recycle your ski hat, and then... She oh, turned it into a pair of, sort of, like, pants? Yeah, there was, a <laughs> there was a basically, like, some trunk system involved to yeah. make sure everything could be incorporated neatly. <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. So why should you know about her? We think she's interesting because she has a lot to say about the history and the culture and sort of the, the almost the myths behind it and mm. the the culture. Yeah. You know, Invisible Threads in Knitting, which is another one of her books, kind of explores the motifs and yeah, the sort of folk tales behind knitting you know yeah and i guess you know although for many of us now knitting is practical to some degree in that you know at some point soon i'll have a new cardigan that i can wear when it's cold but it's not a necessity anymore by any stretch of the imagination for us here now knitting um and she really kind of brings to the fore that history and the idea also of darning which of course you know isn't completely absent to us mm -hmm. um, and there are of course people like Anna Maltz and Tom of Holland who really well, specifically Tom of Holland I guess who who um, really focus on that um, but that aspect of make do and mend so to speak is something that she uh, has a lot to say about. So further reading if you want to know more about her um, Everyday Knitting Treasures from the Ragpile is a good book to start with um, Setterstel Sweaters uh, The History of Norwegian Lice Patterns and Invisible Threads of Knitting, and Knitting and Art. Yep, and her website, uh, the main website is in Norwegian, but there's an English version which you can find, uh, that is if English is your first language, True. as it is ours. Um, you can go to animore.com forward slash English. And uh, if you want to, there was a, a little sort of mini interview on the Farnham Maltings website uh, about the talk that she did at Unravel, so we'll link to that. And there's also a little bit more about um, the... Uh, book that Sophie was talking about with the art and knitting with a little bit more about that on the Twist Collective website and we'll link this on the blog so yeah now you know this is a knitter that you do know a little bit more about now okay and now to the top of the hour and the top of the podcast we've climbed through the rag pile, over, <laughs> we're peeking over the hill, and it's time for top three. Sophie. Top three. This top three, we're looking at guilty pleasures. <laughs> so with guilty pleasure, we googled it so we could define it for you guys and for ourselves. Uh, something, such as a film, a television programme, or a piece of music that one enjoys despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard. That's, that sounds about right. Uh, uh, tell me more. Well, the, the context, the phrase they put it in for the, uh, the thing is, everyone has a guilty pleasure. For me, it has to be mid-70s disco. <laughs> Which Sophie has found. I laughed a lot for a long time. Very, very that. funny. And there's also the Urban Dictionary de uh, definition, something that you shouldn't like but like anyway. 
a cigarette and every now and then is a guilty pleasure for me. So you can see that the Urban Dictionary version's a little more a little on the urban side. <laughs> uh, top three guilty pleasures, Sophie. Do you want to go first or shall I? Well, I like. I think you should go first. Okay. All right. Because I'm intrigued. You were like, I have so many. <laughs> and then I couldn't think of three. <laughs> Weirdly. Um, okay. So at number three, and I was struggling with whether or not to include this because I don't feel guilty about it but under the definition of something that you feel like it's something you enjoy despite feeling that it's not generally held in high regard uh, at the moment so it's basically whatever irritating pop pop song came out about six months ago okay i'm never at the front of the curve i'm never somebody who's like discovering something that everyone else it's always like oh guys have you heard this really cool song and everyone's like yeah that was number one like last year at the moment it's Sorry by Justin Bieber. Oh man, that, I, yeah, I fell the hard for that as well. It's absolutely brilliant. But I did this about two months ago. But I feel like every time I listen to it, it like actually rots my brain. But I do love pop music genuinely. What do you mean? Um, sorry? <laughs> is it too late to say sorry? Um, but it is a guilty pleasure, I think, because I wouldn't subject other people to it. And I think that's one of the things about guilty pleasures is you're like, if somebody's like, hey, you want to put some music on? And I put that on, they'd be like, what? Hey, well, everyone's a believer now, it would seem. So <laughs> It's true. He seems to have sort of risen from the ashes. Anyway, so that's number three. Nice. Is, uh, that's definitely a good uh, Irritatingly catchy pop music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And number two, uh, this is a more sort of food stuff related guilty pleasure. Yeah. Okay, I've gone for a Starbucks caramel frappuccino because that's the most <laughs> obvious version, but it can be any kind of completely ridiculous ice and coffee and sweeties with cream on top style thing masquerading as a coffee when actually it's like a god-awful dessert that really should only be had before 2pm because otherwise I'm not going to sleep. I absolutely love those things. That's a good one. That's good. <laughs> they're, like, they're like the coffee drink version of sorry it's like <laughs> so saccharine and and like you know that it's your entire day's worth of caffeine and sugar oh, they're, and they're like do you want cream on top and you're like yes <laughs> and then they put the the caramel syrup on top again and it's just oh man good, and then afterwards good. i'm like a kid who's had too many blue smarties and <laughs> just get very very silly um and the inevitable sugar crash so that's uh that's guilty pleasure number two mm-hmm and at number one, and this is something I've realised recently really is a huge guilty pleasure of mine, is horoscopes. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I've been able to keep the chair creaking under control until now because I'm laughing too much. It's quite hard to laugh and sit very upright so that the chair doesn't creak. So sorry guys if there's a little uh, background noise. So basically I... Um, and I don't know what it is about horoscopes because I don't really believe them. Um, I don't completely, I wouldn't ever completely discount anything because I feel like that's really not my place. Uh, I feel like, you know, they say that the gravitational pull of the moon affects periods, for example. I this believe, has been scientifically that, yeah. sh shown, so it's not completely out of the realms of possibility that the movement of planets could affect you. I don't actually think that it does, as it happens. I just love reading them. I find them really weirdly compelling and I find that it's like so something about stories that you can tell yourself about your life and they're so in incredibly vague. You've become so animated <laughs> like oh my god. But it's like there's something they're so cleverly done like if they're done right they literally apply to everyone and no one. Yeah. So you read this thing and I read them I try to only read them like monthly because otherwise you're in a whole world of ridiculous also, hell. You know if you've got the free newspaper and you read them and you're like are these as legitimate as if I like got them somewhere else? Right you know? so I've taken to reading the rookie mag ones because I'm a rookie mag okay. addict and they do it monthly. Mm -hmm. They do quite in-depth ones and every you know when it's the first of the month I'm like refreshing the rookie horoscope page until they put the new ones up and then I get really excited to read about it um, and I'm very proud of the fact that I'm on the cusp of Aries and Taurus you know I'm actually Taurus for anyone who's interested. Um, and it is a complete guilty pleasure because up until now I don't think I've talked about it that much because it's really odd. I think. Good. No, this oh man, doing this guilty pleasure thing was hard because I'm like, well, maybe I'm actually quite virtuous and nothing. And even if you're like, 
Oh, but I'm not that embarrassed that I watched that or whatever. Yeah. So, and on that note, guilty pleasures. Let's go. Sophie Scott, tell me. Number three, I'd have to say the reality TV show competition, The Apprentice. What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say RuPaul, and I was going to be like, um, no, RuPaul is brilliant. That's very and it's obvious. Not trashy. Okay. Oh. No, God, I don't have an guilt. No, exactly. I was going to be like that. You can't use that, Sophie. That's not no, there. No, but no. The Apprentice. Okay, the Apprentice. Fine. Um, so. If you don't know, it's like a business TV show thing where Alan Sugar, Sir Alan Sugar, excuse me, uh, is looking for his next, well it used to be his apprentice but now they've actually, oh god I'm going to get really in depth about this now, but it's now his business partner, so he, whoa, used, that's yeah, not great, I know, shit. yeah, you should catch her, yeah. Um, one thing, well, the reason I really love this, because at the end it gets to people who are like very business savvy, really good ideas, very mm. kind of, uh, you know, motivated, mm. and it's really interesting because I learned mm. so much about like how to run things mm -hmm. and like the creativity behind it. More often than not, it's people shouting each other <laughs> with their hands-free sets, saying like, "Just, just sell the salad, just sell it. I don't care, just sell it." Some sort of like weird parody of like yeah, 80s real, business yeah, style, yeah, exactly. like American Psycho. <laughs> and these people come in and they're always like really full of themselves. They're like, "Yeah, you know." My first word was money and all that. And then they also, like, just... They have people, like, two, like, guy, you know, aides mm -hmm. to Sir Alan Sugar who, like, watch the team and they're, like, in the background writing stuff on their notebook and, like, <laughs> like doing a DIY challenge where they have to, like, set up a business. You've got to have a business where you're going to fix people's things. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I'm just screwing a nail in. And she's like, hmm, yeah, right, writing notes for Alan Sugar, like, idiot. <laughs> and they have, like bonus kind of sister programs to that where they talk to the people who got fired <laughs> okay okay i can see that yeah, you're yeah. very excited you see about that i'm very excited about it but it's just it's kind of guilty pleasure because it's kind of awful because they do end up arguing and i kind of like that it goes wrong a lot of the time where they lose money and you're just like why didn't you do this one thing or why did you buy like rotten fish it's so something? exciting i'm learning things about you i'd say that's a bit of a guilty pleasure because yeah i don't think it's maybe held in that high regard <laughs> That's probably fairly safe to see. Seeing now it's like exhausted into like sixth or seventh season, you know, you're kind of running it, you know, this formula. Anyway. <laughs> okay, what's number two? Number two, I'm not sure if it's a guilty pleasure, but it's probably something I do that I feel guilty about, mm -hmm. but I still enjoy it. Hitting snooze in the morning. That is a habit that I cannot shake. Oh no. Like, I didn't used to do this, ladies and gentlemen. I used to hear my alarm and pretty much get out of bed. Is it a guilty pleasure, would you say, hitting snooze? I find, for me, it's, um, no, I just find it, like, an unpleasant problem. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I don't really, I enjoy snoozing on weekends. Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm, I'm a lark, you know, my second wind, I'll get home tonight, eight o'clock, I'll be like, right, good to go. Mm -hmm. Then I start, the, you know, I stay up too late. In the morning, start the cycle over again. I hear you. I'm not, oh no, I'm a night owl. No, I'm not a lark. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. I'm a very confused owl. <laughs> I don't know. Number one, um, guilty pleasure. Hmm? Oh, I kind of do feel a bit guilty while I'm now saying this. Oh, come on, I just, I just wax lyrical about horoscopes for about five minutes. Eating in bed. Okay. Interesting. We might have been brought up differently because I don't see that as like that bad. Oh really? It? Well, it's I I can't. Rem it's kind of gross, isn't it? Yeah. Nothing like I don't like make myself a roast dinner and like like <laughs> out the condiments. I mean, why the hell not? You're halfway there, Sophie. And I wouldn't eat dinner. Well, unless I'm feeling very rough, I wouldn't eat dinner in bed. Uh -huh. But always, it's probably doing my snoozing as well. Mm. Sneak out of bed, bring back the cereal and the cup of tea. Bed. Oh, that's good though that's yeah. good ease yourself into the morning the problem is the potential so like biscuits in bed probably a bad idea no too no many crumbs i'd have to have well i don't really eat that many biscuits i'd have to have a plate so yeah that's a bit of a guilty pleasure yeah no i don't well i'd say i probably always eat breakfast in bed okay oh. interesting i'm willing to reveal that much oh detail my about God. my life and sometimes i like to eat in the bath <laughs> <laughs> But that would just be like a slice of toast, and you're just like, That's mm. so weird, does it not get like... No, it's great! Just have a... Just make yourself a little toast, maybe? <laughs> in the bath? <laughs> Once I had a cup of tea in the bath, and... One, one time, I transgressed and had a... No, I had a cup of tea in the bath, and like... It was this experience that I felt like should have been really good, but I was too warm. <laughs> I was too warm drinking I love that. Now, <laughs> toast 
and tea in the bath. Ultimate luxury. It's bath toast. <laughs> All right. Well, I feel like we've learned more about each other yeah, ourselves. More than we wanted to know. <laughs> Quite possibly there's no going back. Just as the, the ball of yarn will run out to the final stitches, just as a pattern will tell you to cast off, it is now the, the end of the podcast. <laughs> it is indeed. So, um... Thank you for listening, as always. Yeah. We hope we didn't scare you off with our terrifying guilty pleasures. <laughs> we hope you come back uh, for more next month and that you listen to our previous episodes if you haven't already. Yeah. If not, why not just tell a friend? If you like it, say like, hey, do you know this cool knitting podcast? Yeah. That would be awesome. We say thanks. Yeah. And you can subscribe um, on iTunes or various other uh, podcast-related places where you get things. And why not rate us? We like that. And review us. Thank you. Hey, hey, why not do that? And uh, if you have any feedback um, or ideas or anything you want to share or send us, you can email us, podcast at pompomag.com or hang out with us on the aforementioned Ravelry forums. And we will see you there. And we'll see you next podcast. Bye! Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Glock and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for this show. For more Eli-related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, the co-creator and editor of Pompon Quarterly, and to Amy Collins, who keeps all of us above water. Thanks to our Edinburgh Yarn Festival interviewees, our sponsors, Feel Good Yarn Co. and Blacker, and of course to all you Pompon buyers, subscribers, and listeners. Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompomag.com. <laughs>